If you're paying attention, you know two things. One, we do these shows live as an internet talk show that you can come to on Tuesdays at 4.30 Eastern p.m. And two, you know that right after the show, we go into this like open mic session called the Relationship Driven Growth Strategy Sessions, where I share just some of the best advice of stuff that I've been seeing, and the community gets to also share their own speaking points, test out messaging, ask for some advice, things of the sort. But I don't always publish it. I kind of keep that as a closed us room, but every once in a while, a great conversation happens. And I just got to share it, right? Because last time, last time that that happened, I did it. Jenny Weigel heard it. She showed up for the next one. And then more people started showing up, right? So I haven't, I haven't shared it in a while. And we had a really cool conversation here between myself, Cheryl Hayes, Michael Haynes, and Vanya Logan that I want you to listen to about kind of the tropes of marketing that go across big and small businesses and how to mitigate risk when it comes to marketing spend. So I'm publishing this thing now. I hope you enjoy it. But more than anything, I hope that you show up live. So I get to talk to you. I get to meet you. Um, you get to add texture to the conversation, whether it's the interview that happens at 4.30 or you know, for the end of it so you can get there for the open mic and share some ideas with me, man. I'd love to check it out. And I'd love to post-produce this as content for you so you can be B2B Community Builder Show famous. <laughs> So I'll leave you with this awesome discussion on how to mitigate risk in marketing spend. Enjoy. If you know how it is, then you know how it might be. But think what it would look like if you grow your own community. It ain't easy. That's why you're listening to hear experiences from others just like you and me. Welcome to the B2B Community Builder Podcast, a show that was started because if you can unlock the power of having a community around your business, then you will create a source of referrals, validation, marketing content, and product feedback that will be unbeatable. But who has time to think about building a community when you need to be making sure that your team has what it needs to succeed in serving clients and bringing in revenue? That is why we'll be talking to business leaders like you and I that have cracked the code on why the community play is so valuable, how to implement tactics that got them there while still serving short-term goals, and what they can teach you that they have mastered. This show is for you if you are a CEO, CMO, or simply a rainmaker that has realized that without a community, you are just a commodity, but haven't figured out how to add it to your infinite list of priorities. This show is for you if you are a community professional or trying to be a community professional that is trying to convince leadership about the need to invest in a community strategy. This show is not for you if you think transactions are more valuable than relationships. I am your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez, co-founder of BeTheStage.Live, a marketing company that specializes in relationship-driven growth. I invented the relationship flywheel and hopefully... I'm your new best friend. So smash that subscribe button, leave a rating when you do, and get ready to plug into the power of community creation for business development. Let's go. I, I come from the business operator, business case scenario. And I think that the only reason why I've gotten in to be to do marketing for people is because I talk in business talk and then I'm just like, and we can do this. And that happens to be marketing. So the understanding of like, 
basic human psychology, like not basic, right? Like decision-making the brain and human psychology. And the fact that I've ran a PNL and done all these different things and understand that, like I understand operations at a deep level is the reason why I'm able to get in the room as well. As we're talking about this though, it made me think, right? So I've, I don't know if you've all heard of Amanda Holmes's like inverted buyer pyramid, but she talks about this idea of global pain, localized pain, idea to like buyer criteria setting, which then brings your solution into the right thing. And it got me thinking, and I'd love your take on uh, on this, Mike, if, you, if in the wild you think this works. But I keep thinking of this idea that, yes, we are all measuring our dollars, right? Like we've said this multiple times, the global pain is right now, if we're going to spend money on marketing, it better work for something because we have zero to lose. So the localized pain to me is marketing waste money, right? What people are thinking is I could spend this money on marketing. I might, I could just set it on fire or maybe it works. And how do I feel? How do I trust this thing? Right. How do I get past the skeptic part for that? Um, And then I bring up this idea of what's really high floor marketing. What is a marketing motion? Instead of going for like, man, we're going to do this thing and this thing definitely works. How do I, how do I sell into loss aversion? And I got this basically from reading Cialdini's book recently again, talks about this idea that the concept of a gift is also seen in risk mitigation, right? So if you can like avoid a loss, then it has that same influence as like the scarcity principle. And then I thought, okay, then what's the buying criteria for a marketing motion? I'd like to think that if I'm a if I'm a business person and I'm going to spend money on marketing, I would look for something that the marketing motion gets my foot in the door with a key relationship, right? Because that always can lead to business is good for existing pipeline, right? So it isn't just a something that I'm like projecting out there and trying to get to new people, but also works for existing pipeline. Can facilitate digital word of mouth because that is that organic, how do we reach new audiences, is a motion that is definitely going to drive insights that will allow me to then make future decisions as well. And is creating marketing content that is adaptable, whether we use it in this campaign or we want to use it in a future campaign, right? So this idea of like foot in the door, good for pipeline, facilitates word of mouth, drives insights, and is adaptable later is to me a buyer criteria that I want to walk in the door and be like, hey, what we do does all this stuff, right? Because what we do is interview a bunch of clients, create the content. It goes in the pipeline. It creates digital word of mouth. It gets your phone in the door and existing clients. We're getting insights from it. And later on, you can repurpose into something else. I wonder as as I say that, Mike, I see your head nodding. Good, bad, give me a rating. Of, does that make sense? Am I full of shit? What do, you think of, what do you think of that whole positioning? I mean, I think the concept of kind of what the global pain is, I would maybe question a little bit, but overall makes sense, right? And so I think that you, know, you kind of said, if we're going to spend money on marketing right now, better do something because we don't have anything to lose. The reality is, I think if you're in that, if you're really in that situation, there's no amount of marketing is going to help you. If you've got nothing you can afford to lose anymore in marketing, like you're probably done. It's too late. But outside of that, I think what you're describing makes total sense. The one part I think I struggle with in that whole thing is more of, okay, what is the... What are you doing for the short term too? Because like you mentioned like, okay, it's something that can work for existing pipeline as well. Yeah. And so foot in the door I, I would be focusing on, on that. I mean, again, we're yeah, doing yeah. similar things and that's what we're generally focused on is, okay, what can I do 
to influence your existing pipeline. Because building that new pipeline now for the types of businesses we work with, that's a 2024 thing anyway. Yeah. Because you've got a six to 12 month sales cycle. By the time you get into that sales cycle, we're not influencing 2023 revenue at this point with net net for a lot of the clients we work with. Yeah. So then if the localized pain is like, I can't waste money on marketing, what if it flips to, hey, you're going to make a decision on a marketing partner. You don't want this to cost you your job. You want to make sure that this thing leads to some kind of win. Is that a better positioning then? In, in your experience? You bring up a, another interesting point that was, you don't want this to cost you your job. I think that's a that's a big one, right? Mm-hmm. I think people forget about that when they are dealing with these types of deals. It's like, um, what's the quote? Change is inevitable growth. Inevitable growth is purposeful or something like, or something of that nature. I forget the exact quote. But the reason I bring that up is like, something is going to change for that business one way or another. The question is, are you going to be that change, right? And if you're an unknown compared to whatever else they're comparing you to, sometimes the status quo might be safer, right? So if they're in the, depending on where they're at, it might be safer just to not make the decision. So I think that that's the hurdle you got to get over with whatever the, you figure out that the, the pain is. Cause they, there's that personal risk that whoever is going to do it is taking. And I'm I'm using myself as an example just to keep the conversation going. But I see this as like Cheryl, if you're selling selling your leadership consulting, like how do you incorporate it into yours? I don't know if is any of this resonating for you. Is that something that you are trying to figure out how to position so that you get a decision made? What is what is the fear that they're having? Or I'd love to hear how this is landing for you. Yeah, well, it it's very relevant, not just for me, but my clients. From me, we're being selfish coming in here because I need to learn, then I can pass things down, right? But the issue really becomes, it's not, I guess, to me so much about marketing. It's about what am I marketing? People don't understand, one, when I've worked with them, who their customer is. So I struggle with that. I know who my customer is. I struggle with exactly how to find them. So I have to start there, then figure out what is the message that I need to give them to get them interested, (laughs) to, to then reach out and have that additional conversation with them. And so when I think about bringing somebody in for marketing, even when it was in a larger entity, starting there is very important because you can create and know all the tools. My son works in the PR marketing for Sally Beauty at the corporate office. The tools you guys have is phenomenal. I had no clue. I can, you can, there's a tool that will look at simply the heading on an email and say, what is the open rate on it versus the heading on another email? Okay. But for people like me, that doesn't tell me what is marketing going to really do to help me make sure I'm getting to the right audience and engaging the right audience. I'll leave it to you how to do that. If I, if you establish trust that you can do that for me. So that's where it comes about all about what Mike was talking about in terms of it goes back to really understanding who your target audience is, who's your decision maker. And that's where doing, and it's about going back to first principles. When I do a small, medium businesses, I'm like, let's go basic, find out who is that person and do your basic research, doing the likes of going on LinkedIn, looking at their profile, going on researching about the company website, what's going on there, looking at some of your industry professional association, latest articles and stuff. What are the challenges, what's going on in their world? It's starting with a lot of that basic stuff. I think that's where you get a lot of your gold, having the right kind of conversation. That's where you get the insights and the gold. 
everyone jumps to the tactics and jump to the latest chat, X, Y, Z, GPT, blah, blah, blah. Very basic. That's why I'm very big on doing the whole listening thing and listening on the various different levels, using some of the very basic things of having those right conversations with the right kind of people. Your industry and professional associations in my book for your target industry is always a good starting point because those associations are gold. They have all the research, the reports, the articles that tell you what's going on, what are some of the things you need to worry about. So I'm big on start there when you start and getting names of people, looking them up on LinkedIn. Mike, you're a guru. You're doing great things. What do you have to chime in with your thoughts? I think starting very basic with some of that basic research, listening and understanding, that's the key, which I find so many folks miss, but that's just from my experience. I think it's, I agree. It gets missed whether you're a Fortune 500 or whether you're an independent business owner. And for that matter, I'll even argue that it's more often missed the bigger the company gets because at some point they get complacent. Yeah, so true. And it's so like, true. what was the last time you updated your messaging? Oh, it was four years ago. Why? Because that message, that's just what it was. It's like, well, it's the market's moved on. You just don't, you don't, you haven't realized it yet. Yeah, it's why so many don't even, one, they're not looking for the next disruptive thing that's coming in to their industry that is going to impact them. So they're not looking, but then they're not prepared if they do happen to find it because they're so disconnected. They're, from their customer base because they're thinking, well, people just buy us because now they know who we are. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's not going to carry you through. That's not sustainable growth in the long haul. The only other thing I would jump in and add is that having conversations, those conversations with your clients, potential clients on a regular basis is quite important and feeding that back into, because that's how you stay on the pulse of what's happening, what's changing, and things are moving and changing. SMEs, SME, SMBs attitude and mindset now is very different than it was 18 months ago. And the only reason I've been able to keep a bit of that is by having the conversations and seeing some of the shifts, some of the attitudes and some of the, it's only by having some of those conversations and doing some of those things. You, you have to kind of keep on the pulse of doing that, listening, having those conversations so that you know where might be the opportunities and what to do next. But you have have to do that on a regular basis. And I believe that you're doing it in a very practical way. This is not about doing customer value analysis, segmentation, blah, 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 that all the big corporates use. It's about having real conversation. It's going on your industry association website, downloading what's the latest news article, latest publication, what's going on. It's very practical, very real, but it can really drive a lot of your strategy, your roadmap for what you need to do, how you need to pivot, where you need to pivot. But it's so important that you do that. But again, like Mike, I told you, I was just teaching a cohort on how to produce a magnetic community-focused brand. And I opened up a very traditionally understood brand map, which is macro trend pressures into your target audience. And then your competitors play in a space inside of that target audience. And there's a micro trend pressure from competitors to target audience. And then inside of that is your brand composed of product, price, place, and promotion. Stop me if this isn't familiar. It's like brand 101, right? It's just like this map. I wish I could bring it up. But I think one of the primary things that companies forget, and I think it plays directly into this, is the fact that macro trends are internal pressures affecting your competitors and you. And then the micro trends are you and your competitors affecting your target audience. And by and large, I have found that companies are always thinking about one or the other. If you're innovative, you're thinking way too much about those macro trends and not enough about what you're doing to impact the industry. 
And on the other side, if you're too traditional, if you're a larger company, for instance, you're focusing too much on the microtrends, what your company is doing to impact your target audience, and you stop paying attention to the world around you. And you have to be in the middle of that. There's this dialectical tension between microtrend and macrotrend. And if you're on either side, you're going to lose. Oof, that was a golden nugget right there. I'm going to have my team clip that and paste that across all my social media channels. So if you could just give this a pause right now, go into the show notes and connect with me on whatever platform you like to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever you want to be a part of my life in connect with me there. I'm going to share that clip and you can share it with your friends so that they get the same lesson. It'll be adding value to their life. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Hit five-star review, right? You don't have to leave a review. You just got to hit five stars. If you want to leave a review, cool. And maybe send the episode to your friend. That would be awesome. That's it. I'm done. Back to the show. Now, one thing, I'm loving this conversation because as a strategist, so I'm not a marketing person, but as a strategist, then I have to come in and help people understand before you even bring on marketers, one, do we know who your audience is? But beyond that, if marketing works, what the hell are you going to do? Do you have the capacity to handle the this new business that is coming your way? And so I would think as a marketer, understanding it's something I've tried to share with my son going in is that, okay, they're setting up marketing for four months down the road with advertising campaigns. And then they're looking at all the data analytics on what's been working and what hasn't. I'm like, you need to understand how does this impact the bottom line for the business? What is their growth strategy? Because you've got cost involved in there. You can grow revenue, but that would be the wrong KPI. All right, I can grow revenue and make no money all day long. So how do I make money on it? How do I have the capacity then to follow through with those customers? Because I've seen where companies did a great job marketing. You professionals knew what you were doing, and all of a sudden they got so much business they could not handle it. Well, my basic rule of thumb is if you cannot deliver, then don't market. You have to understand. And that's why you have to look holistically across the business. And again, that's why I hate that term marketing because marketing is very siloed. You have to look holistically across business, product, operation, service, all of the components. And so marketing to me should be understanding the market, understanding the customers, understanding the business. And then how are you going to deliver to that? But you have to keep all the elements in mind, right down to training, learning and development. Do you have the right skills? What are the skills needed to have? the right kind of customer success manager, customer experience. So it has to be done in a very holistic, cross-functional point of view, as opposed to this marketing point of view. And that's what I think is very problematic with so many organizations that take this marketing very siloed, as opposed to holistically across. One of the major issues with that is that in the marketing industry as a whole, it became a hyper-simplified statement. And this, you hear this from marketers all over the place. Our job is to fill the tickets for the theaters. We bring as many people in. And it's not our fault if we are so good at our job that you sell out the tickets. As far as we're concerned, we did the thing. But the reality of that is, if you are going to shove so many different market ca- marketing campaigns and so many tickets into those theaters that they have to create a new show, now they need new staff. Now they need a new screen. Now they need an entire new theater. It's costing them more money to scale at that rate. So all of these marketers have been trained. If you over deliver on your job, it's not your fault. 
you did everything you needed to do. And as far as they're concerned, it's now a growth question. But in all actuality, it's applying a pressure undue to the business that is causing the business to think short-sightedly, grow too fast, and make the wrong decisions. Yeah. Oh my God, that's just brilliant because I see it happen. And I think from marketers standpoint, when you think that your job is to market the seats, is to sell the seats in a theater for one showing, then you are even looking at your position wrong because your real job is to help make that company successful. They hired you to help make them successful. Unfortunately, they are looking at it that success this means fill the seat in the auditorium for this show or this four nights for the concert instead of allowing them to say, we can do that, but let's zoom out and look at a larger picture down the road. That's why I love partnering with marketing people because it's just part of an overall strategy and part of a larger process to come in and help companies understand what is that success going to actually cost me. Yeah. And in all actuality, like the way that I tend to reframe that and just be like, listen, no, that's not your job is to basically say all of the base of marketing is to have a one-on-one conversation, a sales call at scale. And the idea is to trip flags using a tag and flag system that says customer raise their hand. They're interested in a thing. Great. We're going to request they take an action. They take that action. We deliver a reward. And then we add the tag. They're interested in this thing. And then based upon that tag, we say, all right, so what's the next step for you? What do you want next? Are you interested in this? And when they say no, when that hand goes down, they go back up in the trail again. Like you move them back in the funnel. The knolls are more important than the steps forward in any funnel whatsoever. And I find that tends to solve that problem because now marketers are focusing on, okay, is this the right conversation to have at the right time? Because if you're a sales rep and you're like, hey, I want you to buy a Tesla and we want to sell as many of these Teslas as possible. And this is a one-on-one conversation with a sales rep. You're going to stop selling and you're going to start downgrading your sales calls when the wait time for a Tesla is nine years out. That's not a good conversation to have. So why would you have it at scale? Yeah, this is awesome, right? So I'm totally going to publish this if you guys are all okay with it, right? Like I, I feel like, this back end of relationship driven growth strategy session, I'm totally going to publish. Let me know within whatever you said, what you want me to make of micro content for you. And I'll make it special for you. Cause this is really great. I, as everybody was talking, I was having this like out of body experience of, man, look at all the stuff that's happening right now. Number one, everything that we talked about with what Mike said, right? This idea of external influencers started hitting me as as Cheryl was explaining to me, she's like, yeah, I partner with marketing people because I'm doing this and that. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Cheryl's an external influencer, right? And then Michael's talking. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Michael got into this fold because of an external influencer, which was Chris Colt. Cheryl came into this fold because of an external influencer, which is Donnie Boyvin. And now the two of you are essentially external influencers for like at large for whatever is going on here to a certain extent by being part of this conversation. And this whole idea of getting insights by having real dialogue without wasting time, we're doing that right now in a way that is not wasting time. We're building these relationships. We're creating content. I'm going to export this stuff that's going to then go to digital word of mouth. Like I was just like looking at everything that's happening within this conversation. I was like, man, this is everything that I've dreamed about. So thank you for being here. So I published that little part of uh, that conversation 
just for you. Yes, you friend listening. I'd love for you, if you listen to the show, come to one of the live shows, right? Come on uh, Monday at 4.30, ask the interviewee some questions, stick around for a relationship-driven growth strategy session. Because if you do, I want you to show up with a speaking point. I want you to show up with a point of view that you can share, get some feedback on, see if anybody else buys in on it, and I'll do you the favor of post-producing it for social media so that you have like a thought leadership piece for your LinkedIn, your Facebook, your Instagram, whatever you need, we'll get it done for you. Just follow the link in the show notes or go to tinyurlb2bcb2023. And of course, got to thank my team as always. Number one, I always thank Roanne because she just keeps me doing all the things I need to be doing as the account manager on this project. Gina, who's built this amazing world-class culture and brought us an amazing team and recruited amazing talent, like her right-hand Marge, who makes everything happen. Um, JP, our employee number one, who does all the all the cool stuff, right? He's making all the videos, he's making all the, all the audio stuff, everything that you see and touch is touched by the creative uh, director of our company, JP, employee number one, who is training another awesome creative, Philippe, to, um, you know, follow in his footsteps and do great things for us like the client activations that we do for our clients and repurposing that type of content all helped by Rita our content strategist who basically takes the things that we promise and make sure that you get the results that we say um, based on the content that we are creating right like making sure it's all congruent the story is right that you're getting the results that you need our two awesome account managers uh, Joanna and Joyce and our amazing superstar writer, Nicola, who has been my buddy now for going on like four or five years. He's turning into a man. When I first started mentoring when he was 13, he interviewed me on a podcast, and now he's becoming a world-class writer. So I want to thank the whole team, and I want to encourage you to always, always consider the impact of relationships being more valuable than transactions. See you next week.